We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Hey, it's good to be with you and it's great to be with you guys online as well. Obviously, there's a lot of people watching online because we're a little down on here on numbers and uh, yeah, it kind of feels like that, doesn't it? Just, just don't know where to turn. And that's in part what I'm going to address in my chat today with you. Just this sense that we all feel, whether online or here on campus, Now, I apologise in advance for those of you who are visual learners, but I don't think I'm alone in seeing the shower as the last bastion of peace for busy households, especially with kids, and especially in winter. Turn the shower on really hot, steams up, lean your head against the wall, allow the water just to massage the back, and then let the spin effects roll, just the nothing goes through the head as you relax in that moment of a cocoon where no one's going to bother you. But for some reason, when my kids were under 10, none of them had read the do not disturb dad when he's in the shower memo. And it's almost like every time I went in, someone snuck up to the bathroom on the door, stuck like a notice that said open for business. And my kids, within minutes, they'd be two at my feet in the shower playing a game or worse still, asking dad to move aside because they can't get the hot water. And then the third's just in there asking questions. Now, I don't mind being interrupted, but I'd hope that that was at least a place of peace for me. But as a dad of three, I've discovered that interruptions aren't an if, but a when. And they're not even a when, they're a how often. In the early 1960s, which obviously by my youthful looks, I was not around for that. In the early 1960s, if you're in the US, um, I've read that there was this sense of hope and anticipation uh, of this amazing future that was ahead for this juggernaut of a nation. They had this young president whose name was Kennedy He'd been talking about the new frontier and getting to the moon. He'd introduced the Peace Corps. uh, Corps. Uh, The economy was booming. Car manufacturing was just out of this world. Everything looked like it was just an amazing future for those who lived in the States. And then the Vietnam War kind of escalated. There's a whole bunch of national unrest that was simmering that started to come to the surface. Kennedy was assassinated. And all those norms, all those hopes and anticipations of what life was going to be like was getting dismantled one by one. Life on a national scale was unexpectedly being interrupted. And interruptions come in all sizes, all shapes, Sometimes they're welcomed, sometimes they're not welcome. And they interfere with our plans and our goals and our intentions and our focus. Everything's going swimmingly. Then we're interrupted. We're going to reach, can I have some water please? When you don't preach for a while, your voice starts to get a little bit on there. We're going to reach the peak and then we're interrupted. We're going to make it on time, achieve our goals, realise our dreams and then we're 
interrupted. An interruption comes when there's a break in continuity. We love A plus B equals C. And tomorrow we love that A plus B equals C. And next year we love when A plus B equals C. Continuity is predictable, it's manageable. We can control when there's predictability. Continuity brings peace of mind. But what happens when our continuity is interrupted? Worse still, what happens when God interrupts or God allows the interruption? Isn't His job as the captain to steady as she goes? Isn't that what we expect from Him? Until you read the stories of Jesus interacting with everyday people in the Gospels. And you realise, I'm just going to duck down Daz on the camera. And then you realise that Jesus is the ultimate interrupter. Whenever someone felt like they had it worked out or life nailed or Jesus pinned down or got in the box, Jesus would interrupt them. Sometimes it was welcomed, sometimes it was painful. What do you do when life throws you a painful interruption? Jesus is in the final hours before the cross. His disciples had been with Him for two or three years, lived in His pocket, ate every meal with Him, seen countless miraculous moments that would make your hair stand on end. They sat in boats in the middle of storms as He raised His hands and calmed them. They walked on water, sat on beaches and on hillsides and besides rivers with Him. They were His closest mates and they were His. And all they had, had an unction, they all had this unction, this idea that their time with Jesus was leading somewhere really big. If that revolution that was gonna come where Israel would find freedom from the Romans, then Jesus was the man who was gonna lead the revolution and they were right next to Him. It was gonna be a matter of the right place at the right time. But over the last little while, Jesus says some things that sends the disciples into a tailspin. John 13 my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I'm going to tell you where I'm going. You can't come. What? What do you mean you're heading off? What do you mean you're only going to be with us just a little bit longer? So Peter, in his courage, asks a question. Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow. But you're going to follow later on. Interrupted. Everything these guys were probably planning in their heads was starting to unravel. So who's going to be in charge? Who's going to start the revolution? 
what are we going to do? Go back fishing, tax collecting, start the practice again? What about us, your mates? What do we do with everything that you've taught us? I mean, seriously, Jesus, this is unfair. You're just setting us up to fail. You're interrupting the plan. This doesn't make sense. Ever said that to God? This doesn't make sense. I think I'm a slow learner because I have said that way more times than I care to admit. God, this does not make sense. I said it in my 20s when a mentor of mine strongly encouraged me to break off a five-year relationship. I said it in my 30s when I had to leave a job after 10 years that I loved, I couldn't stay. I said it in my early 40s when I had to leave another job that I loved, but I couldn't stay. I said it soon after a venture that I began with some close friends failed. God, it doesn't make sense. I say it when people I love don't come to faith or when others that I care about move away from faith. I say it at the smallest of disappointments as though my plans and my purposes are the ones by which God should be governing the universe. It doesn't make sense. Have you ever said it? God, it's just not the way I would have done it. It's probably why God did a bit of a preemptive strike in Isaiah 55, way back when the people of Israel were saying the same thing. And God said this to them in Isaiah 55. My thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As high as the heavens, higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There are only a few things that we can rely on in life. And one of those is that at some point, our best laid plans are at times not going to match up with God's and it's gonna send us into a tailspin. Health collapses, investments don't work out, scores at school are less than expected, guy down the road doesn't like you, kids are AWOL, and like Peter, you'll ask God questions in order to try and make sense of it. God, that's not the way I would have done it. And all Peter was trying to do was work out where Jesus was going so that he could follow and he could make A plus B equals C again. Manage the situation. But aren't there plenty of times in life where we just can't manage the situation? Sometimes we can't manage health issues, even with medical intervention. Job losses can be unexpected and reemployment feels like it's out of our hands. Adult kids are certainly unmanageable. And whether or not someone is into you or not is not in your control. Death, where's the continuity with that? I'm not a huge fan 
of those kinds of interruptions. And you're not alone if you've yelled out to God at some point, that's not how I would have done it. But listen to how Jesus responds to the disciples' concerns. Fellas, lean in. Huddle around. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me also. Troubled hearts sounds like an understatement for these guys. This was a nuclear reactor meltdown for the boys. They were trying to process confusing stuff, ideas like Jesus dying. That didn't make sense. They're probably pretty embarrassed about the night before where they're all arguing about who's the best. And then Jesus gets to his knees and washes their feet. Jesus had told them that one of them was going to betray him. And then Judas gets up, walks out, and he never comes back after three years. What's life going to be like without their mate, their leader, their respected rabbi, Jesus? There's no doubt their hearts were troubled. This was mind-bending stuff for them that was turning them inside out. And Jesus says to them, you believe in Jesus and God, my Father, and all the promises that He's given you, you've been holding on to all this time. All those promises in the Old Testament, you believe in God, don't you? Psalm 56, when I'm afraid, You remember this one? When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I'm not afraid. Remember that one, boys? You've talked about that one. How about Isaiah? I'm sure you've mentioned it. You will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. You trust in God's promises? Now is the time to trust me. Look at me, fellas. Look at me in the, ta- in the eyes. Now is the time to trust me. I know life has been interrupted. Trust me. The only way to settle your troubled heart is to trust me. And some of us need to hear that today, don't we? Life is interrupted. We're on day nine and already we feel life is interrupted. Maybe some of us are more of a tailspin looking for A plus B equals C more than others. And Jesus grabs hold of your cheeks and pulls your face around so that your eyes meet His and He looks you in one of those deep penetrating gazes and says, trust me. Trust me. You know, the question I ask Jesus, Holy Spirit, after he whispers that idea, trust me, is trust in what? What, trust that you're going to make A plus B equals C again? Trust that you're gonna settle the carriages, stop the fishtailing, get everything back on track, track. 
make everything right again? Is that what I'm to trust you for? But life experience tells me that I can't trust Him for that because my carriages still wobble and there are times where I still fishtail and everything's not all right and it's not all up to the right. Can I really trust Him for that? And if I can't trust Him for that, what am I trusting Him for? When He looks me in the eye after pulling my face around, trust me, AB, what am I trusting Him for? And I love that Jesus actually gives the answer to that question to His disciples. He says this, My Father's house It's got so many rooms. And if it weren't the truth, I would have told you that. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you fellas. And if I go there to prepare a place for you boys, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. When my son Lawson, who's now 13, when he was a lot, lot younger, there were times where I might go away for the night or go to a meeting in the evening or it's his bedtime and he can't come. But he'd stand at the door just as I'm opening it and say, Dad, can I come? I said, mate, you can't come. Gotta go to bed. Dad, can I come? You can't come, mate. And then he'd start to scream and he'd start to yell, start to throw things, start to cry. And I found with Lawson back then, it's not now, he's matured. But back then I'd say to Lawson, mate, I'm gonna come and find you. I'm gonna come back and find you. Those were the words, I'm gonna come back and find you. And Lawson would look at me and he'd say, dad, you're gonna find me? And I'd say again, Lawson, I'm gonna come back and find you. And he would say, Dad, you're gonna find me? Mate, I'm gonna come back and find you. And each time we repeat each other, the anxiety levels would come down until I could go out the door and close it and everything was all right. Dad, I'm gonna, you're gonna come back and find me. It almost sounds a little bit morbid. But what he promises is that he's gonna come back and find you. He died, rose again to give us life in the here and now and give us everything that we need for a life of joy and peace and sentiness. But when the wheels on the carriage aren't running straight and you are in a fishtail and things aren't up and to the right, the promise He gives you is in the middle of that, at some point, I'm gonna come back and find you. And I'm gonna take you back to be where, with, where I am, where there is no more crying and there is no more fishtailing and there's no more carriages off the track and there's no more broken dreams and there's no more hopelessness and there's none of that. There's no more interruptions. A plus B will always equal C where I'm going. And I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get you. And then Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians, listen to this. 
For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will be with here the Lord forever. And catch this, therefore encourage one another with these words. It sounds like it's not the right thing to say when someone's fishtailing to look them in the eyes and say, I want to encourage you. He's coming back to get you. But it's almost like you've got to center yourself enough to go, He's coming back to get me. And that matters. More than anything else, that matters. You know, I've spent enough time with some of you who are in your twilight years. And I, I, I hear from you that kind of sentiment. That you're looking forward to Him coming back to get you. And it's not necessarily that you've had a, a woeful life or it's been hard, although for some of you it has been. But you're at the point in your journey where you just go, you know, I'm ready for Him to come back and get me. And you've said to me, and you looked me in the eye and you said, AB, I know that there are times where you feel like you're invincible or that life will never end. But when you get to the pointy end and you're at the stage where I am, let me tell you, you look back and life has gone so fast. What I've got to look forward to is he's gonna come back and get me. Church, I've got no idea what your 2022 is going to look like. I have no idea what Anastasia is going to do. I've got no idea what Scott's going to put forward. I've got no idea what health issues are coming, your relationship challenge. I don't know what it is. I can tell you now, something's going to happen. Life will be interrupted for you at some way this year. When that moment comes, will you have the ability to center yourself enough to go? I trust you, Jesus, that you're coming back to get me. And whether or not you fix the now, you fixed the future, and that gives me hope. So Father, for this group of people who are entering into a new year where we do everything in ourselves to have hope and anticipation and to look forward to, uh, look forward, look forward to and dream and plan and all those things, there's always something in the back of our heads that says it's gonna get interrupted. May those of us who are younger learn from the wisdom and the life of those who are older, who have centred their spirits enough to know that you're coming back to get them. May it bring joy, may it bring joy to our spirit and our souls to know that you have not forgotten us. You will never leave us and you have never, ever suggested that you're gonna forsake us. And we do look forward 
to seeing you face to face where there is no more interruptions. Bring it on in Jesus' name.